Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, we come today knowing that you have made it possible for us to come to you, to respond to you, to find you with your arms open wide, to find you like the story in the prodigal son of the father running to meet his child as he's coming home. Father, thank you. Because of what you've done through Jesus, we can come to your altar. We can come before you. We can have a relationship with you. We can be restored to you because of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, we gather today. In the name of Jesus, we offer up these songs of praise, these hearts and lives that are our worship to you. In the name of Jesus, we offer all of ourselves to you. And God, now as we come to the pages of Scripture, the words of the Bible today, we ask that you would speak to us, move in us, move our hands and our feet to follow you and teach us today teach us how to love better. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. It's great to see you this morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making this a part of your weekend. Thanks for tuning in online and sharing this time with us as well. Uh, a couple things just to mention to you quickly. First, uh, we had a great time this past Sunday night as we continued our celebration of our 25th uh, anniversary with our Low Country Boil this past Sunday evening. Had a wonderful time. If you missed it, shame on you. We missed you. And uh, we want you to be sure that you know there's two more big events coming up that will help celebrate that 25th anniversary. Uh, the next one happens three weeks from tonight. Uh, that is our flannel by the fire event. Hopefully it doesn't rain like it did last Sunday night. We'll be outside bonfires. Uh, this is kind of a fall festival type event. Lots of stuff for kids and families. So bring the grandkids, bring the kids with you, bring the neighbor kids with you. We're uh, going to have just a lot of fun. Uh, as you leave the room this morning, you'll notice on the office window there are some cards, there's some things, some supplies that we need to pull off that flannel by the fire. Uh, just kind of help keep our costs down. If you could take one of those and um, help fulfill that need, we'd appreciate that greatly if you checked it out before you uh, leave here this morning. That's Again, that's three weeks from tonight, October 23rd, uh, flannel by the fire event happens. And then coming up in November, uh, we are kind of the final of these celebrations. Uh, we will be in, uh, th that celebration will happen during our service that Sunday morning with the lunch to follow, and we're, we're making big plans uh, for that day in November 13th as well. So hope that you'll be a part of that uh, and, and continue to be with us. Also, I need to mention to you, um, before we get into the sermon time this morning, uh, for you ladies especially, um, we have our ladies evening, Tuesday evening, I'll get these words out in a minute. The ladies Tuesday evening Bible study begins this week or reconvenes this week, and uh, they'll be meeting at 7 p.m. here at the church building on Tuesday nights beginning this week, October 4th, and uh, they're doing a great study together, and if you need more information, you can see Ashley Watson. Um, if you don't know who Ashley Watson is, ask me, and I will point you in her direction, uh, and we will uh, make sure that you know what's going on on Tuesday evenings. Um, also, if you're available Tuesday mornings, ladies, our Tuesday morning ladies Bible study has been going for a couple weeks now, and they would love to have you join them at 9.30 on Tuesday mornings as well. Well, we are in a sermon series, a teaching series this fall as we're leading towards that big event on November the 13th. We're calling Rugged and Raw. We've been taking some time looking at the church. This church, the, the global church, the history of the church, and, and because we're in the middle of this celebrating this anniversary, we thought it would be a great time to talk about what the church is and what the church was and what the church could be and maybe what the church should be. 
And so there's a scene today that I want to kind of draw our attention to and kind of build our conversation on today that we find in the book, the New Testament book of Acts chapter 4. Now Acts is the story of the first church, of how the church began. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the Acts is the story of how that church began, how that church was built. So when we pick up the scene in Acts chapter 4, this is a, a moment where the church is very, very young. It is still in its infancy. It are just a few days, a handful of weeks, if you will, after Jesus has been crucified, he's been resurrected, he's ascended into heaven, and this church, this movement of Jesus' people, this gathering of Jesus' people, not a building, not a service, but this movement of, of Jesus, the, the, now the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, this, this movement has just begun. And so there are a couple of these first church members, a couple of these early Jesus followers have been arrested. They've been thrown in jail because they've been publicly talking about Jesus. And the religious authorities, the political authorities all think they're just full of it. So they're trying to shut this thing down, trying to put an end to this movement of Jesus' people before it really gets off the start. So a couple of them have been thrown into prison. Their names are Peter and John. They were disciples of Jesus. They had listened to Jesus. They were firsthand witnesses to all the things that Jesus had done, including the resurrection. These two men had seen Jesus before the crucifixion, after the crucifixion, and then after the resurrection. And so now they have been thrown into prison for, for speaking about Jesus, for spreading the word about Jesus. And after they are finally released from jail, they gather with the other Jesus followers, the church. They gather with this movement of people, and they have a prayer meeting. That's where I want to pick it up in chapter 4, beginning of verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't know what word comes to your mind when you think of church, but my guess is the word bold is not real near the top of the list when we think about church. Some of you didn't grow up in church and you didn't have a church background. And when someone you knew said the word church or when grandma drug you to church and made you go to church with her on Christmas Eve, the word bold was probably not a word you would associate with church. Or maybe you did go to church when you were a kid and your memory of going to church is of being in the car on the way to church and mom and dad were screaming and fighting and cussing in the car on the way to church. As a matter of fact, some of you, that's where you learned how to cuss, was in the car on the way to church on Sunday morning. And then, of course, you'd get to church, and you, you know it would be like, be like, well, everything's fine. You'd put on your happy face, your God face, and you shake, smile, and everything's okay, and your family, and would, you'd shake hands with everybody, and God bless you richly today, brother, because you, you couldn't let people know just how jacked up your family really was. And so you put this facade on when you got to church. Some of you, some of you grew up in churches where it was just a great big yawn, when the only thing to look forward to at church were the donuts, if they happened to have them that week. Sermons were irrelevant and boring. They weren't practical to your life. Relationships weren't deep. They weren't authentic. Many of us don't remember a moment where you sensed, going to church, where you sensed God was doing something, that something was happening. There was a never a moment when you went, wow, something supernatural just happened here. There was nothing about church that was captivating church was just something that you tolerated 
But the more I read the Bible, especially these accounts of the early church and the book of Acts and, and these letters that the, the apostles wrote to these churches and to the church leaders, the more I learn about the church, the more I come to understand the church is not something that should just be tolerated. That church is something that should be celebrated. And it not only should be the most exciting gathering one day of our week, but it ought to, ought to be a bold movement that impacts, that makes a difference in our families and in our schools and in our workplaces and in our communities and in our neighborhoods the other six days of the week. Let me read for you a, a series of scriptures, for, all from the book of Acts, from this account of the early church, because these scriptures describe the atmosphere, if you will, of the early church. And every time you see a word that's, that's bright and bold and in yellow, I want you to read that word out loud with me. And I want you to, I want you to give me a little attitude with it when you say it. You know what I mean? Can you do that with me? Give me a little, when we get to those bold yellow words, I want you to give me a little attitude, okay? So here we go. The first scripture is, this is after Saul, who would later become known as Paul, becomes a follower of Jesus. This is Acts 9, verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Move on to the city of Iconium in chapter 14. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. Acts 18, verse 26. This is now in the Greek city of Corinth. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Then we go over to Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, Acts chapter 19. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Acts 28, last chapter of the book, the gospel has finally gone to Rome, to the Roman capital, the, the, of the, the, the capital of the empire of Rome. He talked talk about Paul. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And now we go back to the verse that we started with just a minute ago, Acts chapter 4, early in the infancy of the church. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do you see a theme here? Do you, do you see a thread connecting all these verses together? A theme emerging in these churches in Jerusalem and in Iconium and in Corinth and in Ephesus and in Rome. There was a bold church because people were just speaking the word of God boldly. Not obnoxiously, boldly. And as a result, lives were changing. And people were finding hope and grace and power and purpose and churches were boldly pursuing God and they were boldly pursuing community with each other and they were boldly unleashing compassion on the communities around them something supernatural was going on here's my whole sermon in a sentence today if you don't hear anything else I say hear this sentence a bold church takes bold risks to rescue boldly I don't know if any of you are soccer fans or not, but in soccer, they have a thing called the penalty kick. And in the penalty kick, the ball is placed on the ground about 12 yards in front of the net, and these amazing athletes come up and they kick this ball somewhere between 60 and 80 miles an hour. Professional soccer players, they will make a penalty kick 
85% of the time, that kick is good. Well, they've done this very interesting study about soccer and these penalty kicks because at the end of a game with a tie score, because I don't know how you end a game with a tie score, but they do, sometimes they'll do this thing called a shootout at the end of a soccer game. And they have five players from each team do these penalty kicks to try to decide who's going to win the game in the shootout. So suppose you're kicker number five for your team, and your team is now behind by one. So you're not kicking to win the game, you're just kicking to not lose the game. The success rate on those kicks goes down at that point. From 85%, it goes down to 62% when you're kicking to not lose. But suppose you're the fifth kicker on your team, and you're the last kicker, and the score is tied. And you're kicking not to not lose, now you're kicking to win the match. The success rate goes up to 92%. That's a 30% difference. So let me ask us, church, are we kicking to not lose or are we kicking to win? I'm afraid that a lot of churches are playing not to lose. You know, there are some things in life that are just too important to be put on hold. you go to bed tonight and you're laying there before you drift off to sleep and you <laughs> what's that do I smell smoke I believe I smell smoke you don't say well you know what first thing in the morning I'm going to see if I can find what that is some things are too important to wait aren't they you start to have chest pains your arm goes numb you don't say well it's a good thing I've got a doctor's appointment next month some things are too important to be put on hold. And number one on that list should be God's bold rescue mission. We talked a little bit about this last week. That that's the purpose of the church. That's our purpose, is to, to continue God's rescue mission. Here's what Jesus says the rescue mission is. He says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, witnesses. Sometimes us church people get confused. We think our job is not to be the witness. We think our job is supposed to be God's defense attorney. Or maybe we're supposed to be the prosecutor or the judge. No, Jesus said our job is to be the witnesses. You know, we're kind of in the middle of fall. The leaves have started changing, and uh, I've started seeing these things pop up around town, these little scarecrow things. Where's my scarecrow? There's my scarecrow. There's one that my next-door neighbor has one. It freaks me out every time I see it. I don't know why. <laughs> you see those little, you know what a scarecrow is, right? I mean, now it's just a decoration for most of us, but a scarecrow, in, in its original form, what was a scarecrow? What did it do? It had a job. A scarecrow's job was to scare the bad birds away from the good crops, right? That's what a scarecrow does. I'm afraid the church has gotten to the scarecrow business. The scarecrow church says to the world, hey, baby, don't do that. Don't do this. You're not good enough. We're against that. We hate people like you. The scarecrow image is one that a lot of us grew up with. And I think it's one of the issues that the church is going to have to deal with. Not just this church, especially the American church. I think it's the reason why more and more people that you know, that you work with, you go to school with, They've got an okay view of Jesus. They're, they're okay with Jesus. But they don't want anything to do with the church. 
You know, somewhere along the way, I actually started to study this. Put my mind to this a little bit. I started to read about the life of Jesus Christ. Do you know what I found? When you read through those, through those biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your New Testament, you can trust me on this if you haven't read it, but go ahead and I, let me encourage you to read it. Check my work. Jesus never picketed anyone. Jesus was never, ever a scarecrow. Jesus came to invite people who were far from a relationship with his father to invite them into a relationship with his father. Not just the ones who followed the rules. Not just the ones who looked the part. Ironically, the ones who followed the rules, they were the scarecrows of Jesus' day. Just like they are today. The religious people who thought they needed to guard God from the bad birds for some reason. And they were so frustrated by Jesus because Jesus seemed to understand God so well, and yet he was always hanging out with the bad birds. Jesus, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be spending time with those people. You're supposed to be boycotting those people. You're supposed to be picketing those people. But that's not what he did because that's not who he was. And if you and I, church, if we're going to be in the witness business, if we're going to be witnesses, we can't be either. The point is this. Jesus said, be my witnesses. He said, boldly go find and restore. Boldly go into all the world and reach and preach the gospel and help make disciples. Boldly go into your community and make it a better place in my name. He never said, go stand at the entrance of the church building and make sure that they're good enough to come in. Luke chapter 15, the, the scarecrows are griping at Jesus. They're giving Jesus all kinds of junk for being around sinners all the time, the bad birds all the time. They're griping, if you will. They're griping at the doctor for being around the sick people. It says in Luke 15 that the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees, in Luke 15, verse 2, the Pharisees and, and the scarecrows, I mean the teachers of the law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. How can he do that? And so in perfect Jesus fashion, instead of answering them, he tells them three stories. This is my favorite chapter in the Bible. He tells them three stories. In Luke chapter 15, each of these stories has the same point. Something is lost. Lost is bad. We've got to do whatever, we, whatever it takes to find it. Something's lost. <laughs> lost is bad. We should do whatever it takes to find it. There's a lost sheep. There's a lost coin, and there's a lost son. The lost sheep story, the shepherd's got 99 more, more sheep, but he leaves all of them vulnerable in the open field all by themselves, and he boldly went and he found. He gave his entire attention to the one lost sheep because lost is bad, and you do whatever it takes to boldly go find it. It's that important. The story of the lost coin, there's a woman who sweeps her house until she finds her lost, that one lost coin. She's got nine more coins, but she sweeps her house. She boldly turns the house upside down. Why? Because something was lost. And lost is bad. And you got to do whatever it takes to find it. The story of the lost son is the story of the prodigal son. So because of freedom of choice as a human being, this son decides to take his dad's money and go wasted and wild living. You know the story. 
Finally, he runs out of money. He comes home with his tail between his legs. He's desperate. He's ashamed. He's guilty. He has no place else to go, no one else to turn to, so he comes home. What's he find when he gets home? You know the story, right? What does he find when he gets home? A scarecrow? No. A picket line? Nope. Judgment? Uh-uh. He finds a loving father who could not have been happier to have his kid home. His kid, the sick kid, the sinner kid, the prodigal kid, the lost kid. He gets him home. Something was lost. Lost is bad. Whatever it takes, get him home. Get my boy home. After three stories about the importance of the lost being found, Jesus gets to the punchline. Have you read this before? You might not have known what the punchline was. This is it. The punchline to these three stories. Lost is bad. Do whatever it takes to find it. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. <laughs> the field. That's a pretty good place for a scarecrow, isn't it? I'm so glad the prodigal son didn't come home through that field, aren't you? I wonder how the story would have turned out. That's a problem, I think, that happens in a lot in the American church. A lot of times someone is lost, and they are looking for a way home, and they come in through that field, and there's a scarecrow there, and they never actually make it to the loving father. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Meanwhile. Meanwhile. That's not a great word, is it? Something good's been going on, and then there, the story turns, and there's a meanwhile. That's not good. That means there's not going to be a good thing. Meanwhile. Think about the old TV shows or an old cartoon, maybe. Meanwhile, Batman is about to be lowered into a poisonous vat. Meanwhile, the damsel has been tied to the, to the train tracks. Meanwhile, there's something bad getting ready to happen. That's what's going on in the story. Meanwhile, maybe, church, our issue is Meanwhile. Meanwhile, we decided our business is not the witness business. We decided it was the scarecrow business. Meanwhile, we set up scarecrows and picket lines, and we chased power, and we chased politics, and we told everybody how bad they were and how they're going to hell and how we're glad for it. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. I've often wondered how the servant answered that question. I wonder what his tone was like. Brother comes to him, what's going on? What's all the noise? What's all the commotion? And I wonder if the, brother was, or if the servant was like, well, your brother came home. That loser brother of yours, he finally showed his face back around. Can you believe he showed his face back up around here? Or was the servant like, your brother came home. He's home. I wonder how he said that. The older brother was angry. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. It's like, how, how could the older brother, how could the scarecrow brother be angry that his lost brother had come home? It almost seems unbelievable, doesn't it? Except, except that when you realize this is the punchline, Except that you realize Jesus is telling these stories to the people who are mad at Jesus for hanging out with the sick people. When they're, they're the ones who are mad at Jesus for hanging out with, with the sinners. 
They're mad at the doctor for being around the sick, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, and never once, never once, never once refused to do a single thing you asked me to do. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, I'm pretty sure I know how he said that, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. There it is. There's the scarecrow problem right there. The scarecrow problem is I deserve to be with the father, but you don't. Verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. What should the older brother have done? Older brother should have had younger brother in his mind, should have love for his younger brother in mind. He should have had the same attitude as the dad. Kill the cow, get the robe, have a feast, find a ring, let's party. We must bend over backwards and make sure this prodigal son gets home because this is how the father feels. He loves his kid this much. Why? Because loss is bad. Do you understand that? Have you ever lost anything? The lost coin is going to be gone forever. The lost sheep is probably going to die. The lost son is going to be separated from the family. Lost in our community, lost people around us, they are going to be separated from God forever. Have you lost, ever lost anything? Have you ever lost anyone? Parents, you ever lose your kid even for just a moment? Remember that sinking feeling you had in your stomach that you had just for a brief moment when all of a sudden you don't realize where your kid is and they might be in danger. That's how God feels about your neighbor. That's how God feels about your coworkers. Do you understand this? Something is lost. Lost is bad. Will you do whatever it takes? Let me leave you with this. It's always been interesting to me. I've, I know I've pointed this out before. If you've been around a while, you've heard me talk about this before, but it's always been interesting to me in this story. Again, this is my favorite chapter of the Bible. It's always interesting to me that Jesus doesn't finish the story. How does the story end? Does the older son go into the party? We don't know. Because Jesus just stops right at the climax of the story, he drops the mic and walks away. He just he never finishes the story. Why doesn't he finish it? I think it's because the ending had yet to be written. It's because all those scarecrows that were listening to Jesus tell these three stories, they were gonna have to decide how the story ends. Guess what, church? Now we have to decide. The story is going to end in one of two ways in your life. And this story is going to end in one of two ways in this church. Something is lost. Lost is bad. Who's going to do whatever it takes? So how does the story end for you? How does the story end for us as a church? It's up to you. Does the older son go to the party? 
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for putting us on this mission with you, of giving us this task to be your witnesses to the world around us, your witnesses to New Philadelphia and to Dover and to Bolivar and to Eurexville and to Denison, your witnesses to Tuscarawas County and Northeast Ohio, your witnesses to this world. Thank you for giving us this task. And thank you for giving us the choice as individuals, as we follow you, and as a community of a church, of a, of a group of, of the Jesus movement, that we get to choose how this story ends and whether or not we go into the party. So challenge us with that, God. Remind us once again today that lost is bad. And we got to do whatever it takes. Pray this in the name of the one who did whatever it took to bring us back into a relationship with you.